Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. On today's Patriot Nation podcast, we're going to be breaking down the draft with none other than Thor Nystrom. It's probably, I think, his third consecutive year on with the draft recap. Spags and Keegan both accepted new jobs this week. They're busy, so it's just me with Thor, but it's going to be a heck of a show. So buckle up and cue the music. Stack receivers, two to the right. Russell Wilson extends the hands. He has Pass. Wilson, quick throw. And it's Thanks so much for coming on again, man. We appreciate you. Like I said, I think this is like three or four years in a row that you've been here on a draft recap show, and we don't want anyone else but you on uh, with your draft opinions. You can keep Keegan Speggs off with their new jobs this week, but I'm telling you, you are not going to keep me off for my third consecutive appearance on. It's good to be with you, Pat. Love it. Love it. Thanks for coming through. So before we before we talk about the Patriots draft, because we will obviously, this is a Patriots podcast, so we will get into the Patriots draft, but I just, you seemed to be the number one Malik Willis supporter on the internet. Obviously, Malik Willis goes like, I don't know, 965th to Tennessee, where now Ryan Tannehill is giving him the Brett Favre treatment. Uh, you know, obviously, you thought you were confident in your evaluation there. You thought that, you know, he was a guy that probably should have been taken. You had said number two overall by by Detroit. Um, but, you know, what what do you think that well why do you think he fell so far and, and what was it about him specifically that you thought was so good it wasn't just me and it wasn't just everyone else in my industry it was also the nfl itself right malik willis and and to a lesser extent matt corral they wouldn't have been invited at the draft to be sitting in that green room right if the good nfl point. thought that there was a good shot they were going to be filtering out of the first round i'd say much less of the second it was a shock to everyone. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I mean, before the draft, I got more texts and more DMs about where do you think player X is going than any of the years that I've been doing this five or six years or whatever in in advance of that. And and after Thursday night and heading into Friday, there was even more of that than than also than I had seen during my career doing this. Of like, where do you think this guy's going, and where do you think you know, like stuff like that. It, it was a class where everyone kept their their cards close to the vest and. I think teams prioritize sort of the infrastructure positions. And you, you had heard in advance that some teams were down on the quarterback class. I wasn't as much, you know, and I, I hold on to my evaluation about that specific player. Um, I'm happy to go against the NFL on evaluations. I did it against Lamar Jackson and I came out shining, you You're know, right. smelling like a rose on that one. I, I'm fine to do it on Malik Willis too. I, I think his skills will translate to the NFL. I think the Titans got an enormous deal there in the third round. Yeah, it's it's really interesting when you start looking at some of the guys that dropped, you know, and even you know, when you look at, uh, you know, so many of these guys, right? Atlanta takes Ritter at 74, right? And no one goes between 20 and 74, no quarterbacks. And you're like, what the heck is going on? I, I was shocked. If you had told me only one quarterback would be taken in the first two rounds, I, I don't know if I would have believed you because, you know, even though, you know, the draft prospects, even though you're sitting there saying, okay, well, you know, maybe these guys aren't the best players ever. It's the quarterback position, right? And so you want to take a swing. I think, in my opinion, and, and this isn't an original thought because I'm sure a, a hundred people have had this thought as well, but like, I think it was more what 2023 brings as opposed to what 2022 is. Um, and the fact that people think that 
the guys have a much higher ceiling in 2022 in 2023. However, that's a dangerous game to play. I mean, Sam Howell was the number one pick, you know, almost consensus across the board going into the year. And he ends up being one of the last quarterbacks taken. So like, you know, I don't know if you want to kind of, uh, you know, bank on CJ Stroud and, um, and Bryce Young being like franchise altering players. They look very good right now. Don't get me wrong. They look very good and they might be those guys, but I don't know if I would have said, ah, screw it. I'm not going to take Malik Willis in the second round or, you know, late in the second or early in the third, because, you know, maybe next year will happen and CJ Stroud will be really good. And then I, like, I don't know if I'm willing to play that game. 1000%. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, just for instance, the Lions, because I heard this a lot with the Lions fans of like, oh, you know, we'll we'll take a stud at, you know, you know, infrastructure position X. And then next year we'll be able to get either CJ Stroud or Bryce Young, you know, just like it was a, a matter of course, like a, a given. Right. Um, I, I don't know about that. You know, like, you know, we, we've seen teams that have risen up enough where they're not in the first couple of positions. And then you have to sort of mortgage your future to do that. The Lions seem like they've gotten enough talent where they're not going to be picking in the top three next year, even though we all sort of agree on what Jared Goff is. So, you know, and the, you know, the Falcons being another team like that, et cetera. I, I, don't, I don't think you can bank on, you know, being in the top three to get one of those guys. Will Anderson, along with those two guys, is what, what, what I would put the top three at right now, you know, just in terms of banking the favorites or whatever for, the, for those positions. But I, I totally agree with you. And then as far as the, the quarterbacks in, in this class, I, you know, like, you know, again, I, I shrugged my shoulders. The NFL was surprised. All the media right. people were surprised. I was certainly surprised as well, you know, as far as my evaluations. I I would have been less surprised if Kenny Pickett was the guy falling down the board. But the NFL does prioritize the year one utility. You know, we have seen that going back years. Teams that need quarterbacks, they're going to prioritize year one. Well, the way that I look at it is, you know, like me saving money, am I going to prioritize, you know, if I'm putting this money in and I'm not going to, going to, you know, withdraw for 10 years, am I going to prioritize, prioritize the year one yield or the 10 year yield? I don't prioritize the year one yield over the, you know, the, the two through 10 year yield or whatever, like on, on any investment or whatever. So it, it's just sort of surprising to me. There, there's very little playoff teams we've seen going back several years that have been starting the rookie quarterback that have made anything of themselves. It, certainly we don't see that, you know, winning the Super Bowl or whatever. So I, I don't know why some of that stuff is prioritized, but yeah, I was a little surprised. A couple of the guys got knocked on the board for sure. Yeah. That was interesting. And, and it's, you know, it's going to be one of those things. And I think, you know, we talk about self-scouting and, and our evaluations and, you know, kind of looking at, you know, why did we have these evaluations the way they were and why did we, you know, kind of have these guys there. And, and, but at the same time, I do think too, like, there, there is something to, hey, listen, the NFL can feel however they want, but I disagree, right? And it's okay to feel that way, you know? And I think I think as, you know, people that that cover the – and you cover the draft a lot more extensively than I do, but as people that cover the draft, like I think, you know, it, it's, it's important for us to kind of have a little bit of both, right? We have those guys that were like, no, I, I don't care what anyone says. Like, this guy is going to be a stud, and, and, I, and I'm sticking to that no matter what, right? And then there are some times where it's like, hey, listen – you know, maybe I missed something here. Maybe there was something that, that, that I missed. And so, um, you know, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of some of the things that I think we should, we kind of collectively as a group, right. Should think about is, you know, looking at kind of where we made mistakes and, and, you know, where we've made mistakes in the past, I think. So, but again, I think sticking to your guns is, is, is great. If you, if you're like, no, I'm confident on this evaluation, and like you were with Lamar and you're right. Like Lamar should have been drafted a hell of a lot earlier than he was. Right. And so it's like, it's one of those things where, you know, you have to trust yourself as well, but also be able to look at and say, okay, why did I like this guy over that guy when it turns out that they were better in the league? But it's, it's so hard to tell because it's injuries and it's, you know, situation and it's fit and it's team and it's everything else. Like, you know, you just, you just never know, you know? So it's, it's a difficult game to play, but but it's fun. I, I love doing it. I know you love doing it so much. So it's, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things that that we can look back on, of course. But but it's so much fun to do at the time. Yeah, I, I really do love it. And, you know, people that were around me, like both professionally and also, also just my friends, you know, the Lamar Jackson year. Like I, I would hear leading up to that draft, like, Thor, you you really need to shut up. <laughs> F word up about Lamar Jackson. I'm sick of hearing about Lamar Jackson. You're putting yourself out on a limb with this. This is stupid, you know, et cetera, et cetera. 
no one is going to back me off of that. And even when he dropped to 32, even when people were like, well, even the Ravens themselves took Hayden Hurst over him. Right. Certainly you will back off this conviction now. No, no absolutely not. And, yeah. and and also the same thing with Malik Wells. It, it, you know, they're slightly different players. Uh, L- Lamar is a bit more refined as a passer coming in. Uh, Malik, he can throw the ball further. He's He's got a juicier arm. But but you know the the utility of scramblers the the same different thing and and a lot of the things the modifications you can do to an NFL offense to have those guys further your cause and you know in terms of scoring points I, I think they're very similar and it's the same thing with Malik Willis I don't care where you went my conviction is what it is I you know I I did the work on all these players I I ranked them where I ranked them I, I think the Tennessee Titans got an abject steal very bullish on Malik Willis going forward the one thing that you had to concede for him this very similar to Lamar Jackson. I said this about Lamar coming in. I said this about Malik coming in. Both those kids need to sit behind a guy for a year. Lamar, what shocked me about him was, even though I was about as bullish, I I think I was the most bullish guy in him in the entire industry. I had Lamar top five. You know, I said categorically, do not start him in year one. He was starting for a team that made the playoffs down the stretch. and He started a playoff game as a rookie. Then, of course, as as a sophomore in the NFL, he, he won the MVP. I'm saying the same thing about Malik. You definitely sit him a, a, as a rookie, put him on the Pat Mahomes plan, put him on the Lamar plan. But, you know, I would have him sitting the whole year, you know, a, 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 as a rookie. But right. t- Tennessee, this is the perfect situation for him. Probably more perfect than he, you know, than he could have thought heading in. It, not in terms of draft position, of course, or money that he's going to sign for. But as far as the team he went, he went to, because any team that's playing Tennessee in the next couple of years, you can't put the safety back. You're going to have to put a safety into the box. You know, right. you just have to, as a matter of course, that, you know, when you're defending Derrick Henry. Well, Malik Willis, it's not just that he can push the ball 70 plus yards downfield. He can do it off platform, which is nearly unprecedented in the history of the NFL. Plus, he gives you the tool set to, you know, to be potentially one of the top five scramblers in the history of the NFL, which is what I believe he will be. So, the, the, you know, I mean, in terms of the fit, it's perfect. And in terms of the skill set, just learning in that organization, they, they've shown that they can build people up in that regard. So I, I think it's a great fit for him. Love it. Love it. All right, let's get into the Patriots draft because that's why we're here today. Although I love, this conversation is great, but, but let's get into the Patriots draft. So they start, they obviously trade back from 21 to 29 and pick up some picks uh, in in day two. Uh, I'm sorry, in uh, the end of day two and also in day, in day three. Um, and then at 29, they take Cole Strange, which... I mean, listen, confident on your evaluations is one thing, but taking a guy that's a consensus, you know, third round pick uh, at 29 overall is a bold move uh, to say the least. Now, positionally, well, I want you, first of all, I want your opinion on it. And then we can, we can talk about it. I want your opinion on, on the Cole Strange pick, the player, but then also where they took him. I would have been cooler about a half round later, but I am not the national media guy that's going to come on here and start to crap on that pick. I, the more I watch, so I mean, I, I'm, I'm just going to give you guys full disclosure. When I, when I went down to Mobile, I didn't know a ton about Cole Strange. I, I just knew about him as sort of the, the starter kit, I guess. You know, I knew he was an athletic kid. He's coming up from the subdivision. I was really curious to see how you do against the higher division kids. He did really well down there, and he moved extremely fluidly. So you're like, okay, well, you know, we're, we're, we're going to go back and watch his film now. He was awesome on the film. You know, you know, everything else sort of confirmed it. I ended up ranking him higher than most people in my industry. I, I like if, if you look, you know, just down the line, pretty sure that I had a higher grade on him than, than almost anyone. I ranked him in the low 50s. He ends up going late 20s. But it's interesting, you know, like I, you guys know, I put I do at the 500 board where I put the 500 comps on the 500 players. The comp I settled on, sometimes it's really interesting as far as where the players go or how some of these these coaches or some of these front offices see these kids. The comp that I settled on, on Cole Strange, where I was one of the highest guys on him in the industry, was a guy named Joe Thune. Yep. So was I surprised where, where he went? Yes, a little bit. But was I surprised by the team that took him there? No. And the fact that that team was the team that had that much of a conviction on him with, you know, again, with that was the prospect that I saw with him. Uh, I, I think it's a really good fit. Yeah, it's funny. I, I actually think they took a while to make the pick. I think they were sitting around hoping to get a trade from, you know, somebody like Minnesota who had 34, someone early in the second round um, to kind of say, hey, let's, you know, jump back up into the first round. And then I was looking maybe the Giants at 36. I thought were a candidate to maybe take a quarterback 
at some point. So I was th- I was thinking, hey, maybe the Giants will jump up and take a quarterback at 21 and the Patriots uh, 29. I'm sorry. And the Patriots can bounce back to 36 where it's not a huge gap. I really think the offers they were getting were in the 40s and 50s. And they were looking at it saying, if we trade back to the 40s and 50s, we're not going to get this guy. And we you know, this is the guy that we want. And so, yeah, okay, in the 30s we could take him, but in the 40s we're not going to get him, right? And so let's just take him now and, you know, okay, fine, we're passing up some capital, but this is the guy we really want. And the more I look at it, the more I like it. I mean, you know, you look at the athleticism, you look at what he did, you know, down in Mobile, and, of course, Peter King circulates the, the you know, the video of him getting blown up by Chris Jones when he snaps the ball and then tries to get him on a reach block, which is just an unfair clip to post. I mean, it's just this guy's a guard who doesn't play center. So now he's snapping the ball to the center number one. And then number two is trying to reach him, you know? So it's, it's one of those things where it's like, that's, that's a challenging block, but to the, you know, to the, to the untrained eye, it looks like you got blown up. Right. But you know, it's just, it's one of those things that you kind of, you know, and of course you're going to lose one-on-one battles. You go, you have, you have one-on-ones, you're going to lose them. It's just the way it is, you know? So um, I, I look, I don't know. I gave it a D plus, uh, in my initial grades just because I felt that the positional value wasn't great. But the more I look at it, the more I'm like two other guards went in the first round last year, the jets traded up for a guard, like, you know, guards, Joe Tooney, the guy you just talked about signed a five year, $80 million contract with the, with the Kansas city chiefs this offseason. Like people are paying guards. They are. And so like, if you feel like this is a guy who's going to be a dominant player at his position and you're, especially you're 29, you already got picks back to move back to 20, to move back to 29 from 21 and supposedly he was the guy they wanted at 21. It's like, it seems like a no brainer pick and everyone's, you know, and then people are, Oh, well, Belichick just wanted to, you know, make the easy pick. Cause the guy, this guy's going to be good right away. And if so it was an easy pick and I'm like, well, isn't that kind of the point of a first round? Don't you want your first round pick to come in and be good right away? Like, I don't, I'm very confused by that one. Yeah. And I, I would disagree with that too. Like, you know, doing this, you know, what, uh, you know, even if you're not looking for, you know, basically what the consensus opinion is, you know, when you're going against it, like it's never easy to go against a consensus opinion. I, you know, I can just tell you that from my job, you know, you're going to get crapped on either way. And so the Patriots certainly knew taking, taking strange in, in the end of the first round that they were going to get crapped on. What, what, what I think is I, I, you know, again, I, I, I was very bullish on that kid coming in. I, I had, you know, I ranked him in the low fifties or whatever. I think the Patriots probably had Intel that, you know, at least in the mid-second round, some team was going to take them. And so maybe even the, the early second round because of the projection. You know, I mean, it's right. it's both his frame. It's, it, it's the production that he had in college, like both the win rate in the run game, both the win rate in the passing game. Um, and then the athleticism, it was just ridiculous, you know. And also he has he has position flexibility where you can project him in either, either the guard spots or the center spot in the pivot. So, like, for the Patriots, I think they were just like, we need to have this kid. This is the last spot on, on the line at the train station where we can guarantee ourselves that he's going to be here. If we trade down to number 39 or number 42, we cannot guarantee that. And this is right. the kid that we want to guarantee ourselves of getting. So in terms of that, I, I can't argue with it too much. Again, like th- that's a team that has had conviction on certain guys where we've argued with it. They have invariably been right early on. Um, and this is a guy, again, that I was bullish on as well. So it, it's going to be hard for me to argue against them there. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go to their next pick, which was very much against consensus. Uh, and Murph actually asked in the chat about about George Pickens, and I agree with him 100%. That's the guy I wanted. Matter of fact, that's the guy I wanted at 29. And then, you know, they trade up to 50. They read the draft perfectly. They knew that a, a run of wide receivers was coming. They knew if they wanted a wide receiver, they needed to trade up to 50 to get it. They went from 54 to 50, gave up 158, which, interestingly enough, is the is the pick that they got in the uh, Devontae Parker trade. And they take Tyquan Thornton out of Baylor, ran the fastest 40 time at the Combine, and uh, was projected extremely lower than 50. Uh, was this a guy you were higher on, too, or was this one a shocker to you? I did rank him a little bit lower, but I'm the last guy that is going to argue against Tyquan Thornton. My my, so you know the the teams that I watch more live, it's Kansas, it's Iowa, and it's Baylor, Syracuse a little bit as well. Because 
my my sister went to to Syracuse. My brother went to Baylor. But I, invariably on the Saturdays, I because you, you guys know, like I cover college football. I don't cover right. the NFL. Like so, so live. That's what I watch. Tyquan Thornton is a guy that took longer to come along in his career, even though he was super duper talented, was invariably the most talented guy that they had in their receiver room. But before last season, RJ Schneed was, was the guy that got the most targets. I'll tell you why, because the, the, the guy that they had a quarterback before that was Charlie Brewer, this guy who was a pocket passing noodle arm type quarterback. Last year, they finally had a quarterback that could push the ball, you know, downfield more than 20 yards with some level of accuracy and Jerry Bohannon wasn't a great quarterback at all. In fact, he has already been uh, told he's not going to be the start of this coming season is already yeah. looking for more opportunities, but he was the first quarterback that Tyquan Thornton worked with again, that could reliably get the ball 20 plus yards downfield was with any sort of accuracy whatsoever. What happened? Tyquan Thornton's game just absolutely exploded. You know, they finally had a running game where teams had to, to put some guys in the box to stop it. And then they, they would have less guys deep. Well, then you do the one-on-one looks with Tyquan Thornton. That's all that Bohannon did. Not a great quarterback, but he could at least recognize, oh, my gosh, I, I have this ridiculous athlete going down downfield one-on-one where I got the best of it. Tyquan Thornton reminds me a lot of, you guys remember going way back, like back in, the, I, I know a lot of comps, you know, I, I, and, and I try to do it. I, you know, I do 500. I try to do more modern comps. And so I, I deal with Tyquan as well. I, I, I comped him to DJ Shark in terms of a modern comp. But the people, you know, a, a little bit older generation, just think of him as an Elvin Harper type on those awesome mm-hmm. cowboy offenses. Mm-hmm. That you wanted to keep people off of Michael Irvin. That was one goal. You wanted to keep people from stacking the box against Emmett Smith. You had a really good offensive line. That, that was going to take care of business. You just wanted to prevent the defensive from doing that. Elvin Harper was the guy that's going to do that. Tyquan Thornton's the guy that's going to do that for you in, in, in New England. He's going to pop the top for you 1,000%. Ran in the four twos. The, the downfield ball skills speak for themselves. He proved that over and over again this past fall. He didn't get a shot before that again because the, the quarterback, he was, I can throw the ball further down the field than Charlie Brewer prior to this past season. But all that stuff played itself. Uh, I'm going to tell you guys right now, Jerry Bohannon doesn't have the skill set as a thrower to do the rest of the stuff. And they only asked Tyquan Thornton to do the pop the top stuff. Tyquan Thornton can do the pop the top stuff. He certainly proved the concept of his athleticism. As far as the other stuff, the intermediate stuff, everything like that, we'll find out. But Tyquan Thornton can absolutely do the Elvin Harper stuff to keep the guys off the other side of the field, keep you from from sacking the box. We'll see about the rest of it. But as far as an NFL number two wide receiver, I'm pretty bullish on Tyquan Thornton. Love it. I love it. And I'll tell you what, to be honest with you, I'm not a college football guy. And so I don't watch pretty much any college football and until it comes to like the the playoffs, which is like irrelevant. I'm not irrelevant, of course, but like you know, as far as as far as watching film is concerned, I watched zero seconds of Tyquan Thornton, and the reason why is because he went to the combine and ran a four two eight, and then I'm looking at the thing, and he's still a fifth six round projection, and I'm like, okay, like fifth six round projection. I'm like, this guy must suck because if he goes out and runs a four two eight. You'd think it would vault him up the draft board, but no, he's still in the six round projection. I'm like, okay, this guy's got to be terrible. And the Patriots took him, and I'm like, that was a terrible pick. And then I turn on the film, and I'm like, um, he like is a competent receiver. I don't know his releases off the line. It sh- like, shocked me. I was generally like, I, I was actually in shock, like mouth agape, looking at his at his um at his releases off the line because I'm like, this guy can't be touched and press man off the line. He's just smokes the guys that anyone that's covering him off the line and he's, and he's wide open. And I just, uh, you know, that to me is one of those things um, that I thought was, I thought was crazy. Um, you know, that, that he was that low. So that was ex- extremely surprising. me. we lost, uh, looks like we lost Thor, but hopefully he'll be back in in a second. Um, but you know, that was one thing for me that I, I just, I thought was, uh, was extremely surprising that Thornton was so low on people's boards. And again, when you talk about the speed that he has, and Thor mentioned it, you talk about the speed that he has about being able to take the top off the defense. Um, you know, I, I just I don't see how you could ask for anything more than that. Like, you want a guy that's super fast and can get off the line? That's Tyquan Thornton. That's what he can do for you, right? And, and now he's not a polished, super finished route runner by any stretch of the imagination. But if a guy, you know, th- the release was Nikhil Harry's. Nikhil Harry couldn't get off the line of scrimmage. Right. And so you're drafting a guy who, yeah, he's big and strong, but he can't, he gets pushed around in man coverage. And so you're not getting that with Tyquan Thornton. You're getting a guy that can get off the ball 
And, you know, yeah, maybe he starts his career running, you know, deep posts and go routes and over routes. Okay. Well, what did the Bills kill you on all year long with Isaiah McKenzie? He ran across the field. Right? If you have a good offensive line and you let Tyquan Thornton with his 428 speed run across the field, who's sticking with him? Nobody's sticking with him. That means they got to go, you know, that means they got to go to uh to zone coverage and then that's where Max starts picking people apart is in zone coverage. So, to me, I just I thought it was a I thought it was a solid pick. I liked it a lot. Um, you know, and I was happy with with what they did. So, um the Thornton pick has grown on me. Um you know, and then uh you know, and then we'll see. So I'm going to send them. Hold on. I'm going to send them a quick. I'm going to send them a quick, uh, just a quick message. See if he can pop back in in a minute. But, you know, so anyway, so let's, let's kind of keep going down the line. And, and I'll, uh, if Thor comes back in, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll pop him back in. Hopefully he'll be back in. But, but the third pick was Marcus Jones. Anyone that, that listens or reads my stuff, anyone that listened to us during draft weekend, uh, listen and Murph. You know, Merv says Pickens is the pick. I, I don't, I don't blame you there. I don't blame you that Pickens was the pick. Um, I, I kind of, I loved Pickens too. He was my guy. I told you, twenty nine. I, I wanted Pickens, and so he was kind of the guy I fell in love with there. Um, but I am excited about Thornton. Uh, his thin frame is true. Devonta Smith weighs like one hundred and six sixty five pounds. It doesn't make a difference. It just, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, I know he's a little bit taller than Devonta Smith, but like. You know, it, it's one of those things for me that, I, you know, as everyone gets smaller, right, the linebackers are getting smaller, the safety is getting smaller, the corners, are getting, everyone's getting smaller. So he's not going to get blown up on, the, you know, in the middle of the field by that 260 pound linebacker. I mean, it's not happening. Right. And so, you know, yeah, he's got a thin frame and stuff and, you know, but he it just kind of is what it is. Right. He's going to be OK. And we've seen guys his size be completely fine in the NFL. Uh, and I think that that's kind of that new body that we're going to see of wide receiver where, you know, it's that skinnier guy, right? I mean, now I know, I know that, that he, that Jameson Williams lost weight because of the ACL, but he came into the combine at 172 pounds, like, you know, and, and sure he lost some weight, but he didn't lose 25 pounds. I mean, the guy, the guy plays at 180, 185, same thing, you know? So, it, so that's the thing for me where it's like, yeah, of course he's small. And I get that. Um, and uh looks like Z uh ZTAC asked about uh do you think he gets on the field early? I wouldn't be surprised to see him get on the field early. Sub packages, of course, he's not gonna be like the number one receiver right away, but as Thor said, take the top off the defense, right? And give now you're gonna give Jacoby and you're gonna give Bourne and you're gonna give Henry and Johnu space to work underneath, right? And so now you're talking about okay, now these guys have space to work underneath. And, you know, we can kind of go from there. So I do think that Thornton can be a valuable piece. It's possible. Anyways, let's move on to the next one. Round three, pick 85. Mock draft 1.0. For those of you that don't know or weren't here or weren't listening for some reason, mock draft 1.0. I'm going to talk about it until the cows come home. February 3rd, before the Super Bowl gets played, I had this guy right here had picked th- uh, round three, pick 85, Marcus Jones. I loved the absolutely loved him coming out of Houston. I think he's the perfect Patriots guy. He's a small and undersized, but he's fast as hell. He's got insane quickness. He's a phenomenal punt and kick returner, which they honestly have been missing since Edelman left. Um, you know, and so that's one of those things where I think he can help on, you know, and theoretically now he played a little bit of offense in Houston too. He might help on three sides of the field instead of just instead of just two. So uh, you know, all three phases of the game, he could be an impact player. I love the kid. I thought, you know, he's fantastic. There's a few clips. Two clips that I thought were my favorite two clips that I watched all year long on anyone. Uh, and one of them was against USF. And uh, and I posted it in the newest article that I wrote, uh, you know, talking about all the all the um, all the draft picks, which came out today on, on Pat's pulpit. But USF is fourth and one at like the 20 yard line. They're uh, Houston's 20 yard line. Quarterback is a lefty rolls out to his left, which is where Jones is. Out of the corner of his eye, he sees a wide receiver running to the end zone with a step on the, on on his corner. Instead of staying with the with the quarterback, he sprints back into the end zone. Quarterback throws it. He picks it off, jukes out a, a, a tight end, and just blows past everybody down the sideline for pick six. Ends up getting called back because of a holding that had nothing to do with the play. But it's that type of play, not just the athleticism after the catch, but the fact that 
He sees the quarterback rolling out. Obviously, it's fourth and one. You want to stop the quarterback. But he also sees the wide receiver that's going to be wide open in the end zone. And by the way, he would have been wide open in the end zone if Jones wasn't there to pick off the pass. So that's one of those plays that, like, it's just such a heady play. He knows what he's doing, and then he shows off the athleticism afterwards. That play was awesome. And then maybe my favorite play that I watched all all offseason was against Texas Tech. And uh, Eric Ukazama, who ended up getting drafted fairly early, I think, by the Dolphins. Um, he catches a screen pass. Now Jones is on the defensive left side of the field. He catches a screen pass on the defensive right side of the field and takes off down the sideline. They're about the 50 yard line, takes off down the sideline and is walking into the end zone. And Jones comes out of nowhere and hits him at the two yard line and knocks him out of bounds. And Ukazama's arm at the last second, tried to jump, tried to dive into the end zone and, and, and Jones dove at him too. And they both, you know, went flying out of the end zone and he stopped him. But it was one of those plays where it was like, if he hadn't, he could have just dogged it. He could have been like, oh, crap, you know, what are you going to do? Nope, he didn't. He busted his ass to get there and beat him to the goal line. And that was just like, oh, I saw that play. I was like, that's it. This is the guy. So, and and Leon, you're 100% right. You look at Hill, you look at Waddle, and, and Diggs too. Diggs a little bit bigger, of course. But like, it, just when you're playing the Dolphins, you got Hill and Waddle on the same on the field at the same time. You got to have guys that can keep up with him, right? And so Jonathan Jones can do that because he's super fast. Marcus Jones can do that because he's super fast too. So um, I really, really like that pick a lot. I was uh, I was extremely happy about it. I thought, you know, here's a guy that's going to come in and play and contribute right away. Uh, maybe a little bit defensively. Uh, again, just to kind of run with some of the fast guys, but certainly on special teams immediately. And I honestly, I wouldn't be surprised to see him run, run a few routes on, uh, offensively just because he's got such insane quickness that they might say, hey, listen, we taught a quarterback how to play wide receiver. Why can't we teach a corner to play wide receiver? So I, I don't know if that's if that's reasonable, but I think it's a, there's a possibility there. So don't forget now, Julian Edelman played slot corner, so maybe he could play, play slot receiver. Uh, fourth pick was Jonathan Jones. Uh, you know, yeah, I don't know where everyone is. Uh, for, fourth pick is John Jones, uh, Jack Jones, I'm sorry, from Arizona State. They would link to this guy a billion times, right? They would link to him. You know, at the at the at the beginning of of this, at the Shrine Bowl, at the Senior Bowl, at the con, I mean, they met with him like six different times, and and part of that is because he gets kicked out of USC because he f- basically flunked off the team, and then he breaks into a Panda Express, and you know, it, it was a whole mess. Now that's 2018, right? It's a long time ago. It's four years ago, but still, you got to make sure you got to get your ducks in a row and make sure that this kid is legit, and they trust Herm Edwards down there. Um, and so, you know, but when he's on the field, he's sticky, he plays, you know, he has a nose for the football. He plays really well. Now he's smaller. Okay. He's smaller than like a JC Jackson type, but you know, he's a, he's a solid corner. Uh, and I'm, you know, I, for one think that it's, think that's pretty solid. Leon, I'll tell you, if you're watching the, the Bruins, I want to, I want to turn it off. Uh, but uh, who hasn't broken into a Panda Express? I get that's not, that's not a good, that's not a bad point. Um, but you know, we'll see with Jack Jones. But I do think like you needed another corner. He has a chance to play outside corner. The name that stuck in my head when I watched him play was Logan Ryan. He's not quite as physical as Logan Ryan, and he's not as big as Logan Ryan was. So he really can't be quite as physical. But you could add a little bit of weight to his frame. Um, he's certainly not afraid of contact. So you know. A little bit smaller, but I just I think he's just so smart and he can play that zone or man, uh, you know, that Patriots like to do both. And so I think they're kind of moving towards the the thought of doing both. So I think he can he can be a fit in both. And again, he's another guy that gives you depth in that secondary. You need secondary guys. Right. And uh, we'll talk about the linebackers in a second. But, um, you know, but I, I really like that pick a lot. And the next pick, they drafted the fastest running back in the draft, too. Oh, no big deal. Yeah, so uh, that's a good question here about Asante Samuel. There was a comp with Asante Samuel as well. I think that was uh, I don't remember who the, I don't remember who said that, but but I don't I don't hate that. I don't hate that Asante Samuel one. Asante had had a nose for the football as well. He was also undersized. It might even be a little bit better than Logan Ryan to be honest with you. Um, but Asante, I think, just popped too much that I was like, oh man, like you know, I don't know if I if I want to make that comp. Oh, Thor's back. Here we go. Thor, there he is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Man. Ah, don't worry about it. Phone don't died. even worry about it. Yeah. No, that's that's fine. So I I just just to we'll we'll bring you back in really quick. I just talked a little bit about uh, about Marcus Jones uh, and and Jack Jones just quickly. But Marcus Jones, I wanted to tell you, Thor. I've taken my victory lap a hundred times. I've already taken it on here as well. But my mock draft 1.0 that 
that came out February 3rd before the Super Bowl, round three, pick 85, Marcus Jones, cornerback from Houston. I freaking love this kid. And I think he's going to be, I think he's like the perfect Patriot. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I love it. Uh, congratulations. I, I'm, I'm totally with you. That's like an inception type thing, right? Like right. Th- th- there's things that you can nitpick that kid on, right? Like because of his size, because of the dimension, he's never going to be a starting boundary cornerback in the NFL, but he should be a starting long-term slot cornerback in the NFL. Plus you get the utility of the return, right. which yep. he's, uh, I don't know if I can swear in this pop, but effing awesome at. Yeah. So, I mean, both in terms of that, one of the better ones we've seen coming out of the classes, regardless of position the last several years, then you have the slot utility slam dunk. Seemed like a Patriots guy. Kudos to you for getting that one. Yeah. Appreciate it. Appreciate that. Yeah. I was, uh, I was excited about him. So, and then Jack Jones, I wanted your opinion on Jack Jones. Cause I was going back and forth. Someone in the, in the, uh, in the, in the chat mentioned Asante Samuel. I was thinking Logan Ryan, just because he's a Patriots, well, I mean, it's not that he was a Patriots guy too, but it was kind of just just the fact that he, similar to Ryan and Asante, kind of has a nose for the football, is just a smart player. Uh, pretty, you know, pretty good athleticism, but not like the greatest athlete in the world, but like can just kind of do everything, man coverage, zone coverage, and then it just kind of seems to be around the football. For sure, yeah. I, I ranked him a little bit lower, but in terms of the stuff you're saying, absolutely. So I can see for sure why the Patriots were attracted to a prospect like that. Um, he, he's a guy that has developmental traits that you bet on for sure. You know, they ended up taking him early, early fourth round, I guess, or whatever. I had him yeah. 205 overall, but there was a lot of cornerbacks sort of grouped in that area. I had him CB 28, but like, okay. you know, going up 28 to 21 or so, those guys were really closely grouped. It would have depended more on what you you know what what you were sort of aiming on. Did, did, did you sense, want yeah. did, did you want the early sort of slot guy that had the that the cap ceiling? Did you want an outside you know like a Cam Dancer in the past class where where he had a cap ceiling but he could play early stuff like that? But like Jack Jones, he absolutely had developmental traits better than the slot that he got picked in. I believe for sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good to hear. Uh, the guy I was super high on was Ian McCollum. I love that kid. I don't know if he can actually play corner. But, like, he was just such a ridiculous athlete that I was like, I don't even care if he can play corner. Just, like, get him in there and, like, teach him the position and see what he can do. I just – I was so excited about him. And, of course, he goes to flipping Tampa where, like, you know, they coach up – they coach up DB so good down there. And I'm like, oh, man, this kid's going to be a stud. 1,000%. Yeah, I, I was surprised that he fell. I was a little bit surprised that Tariq Wallen fell. You know, yeah. th- there was different positions. The NFL saw a little bit different than – you know, me or the, I guess the draft media large may, maybe as well. Um, but yeah, those are two guys for sure. Zion, I, I thought Zion was probably going to go back into the third round. He ends up falling to the fifth round. Something right. similar with, with Tariq Wallen. But yeah, I mean, it's interesting the guys that the NFL pulls up a little bit because they see them as scheme fits for specific schemes. And then guys, they allow to filter down. But I, I'm totally with you on those two guys. Yeah. So the next pick, and I only want to talk about two more picks because I, I, once we get, actually, that's not true. There's one other guy I want to talk to you about, but um, Pierre Strong from South Dakota State, you know, we talked about uh, Tyquan Thornton ran the fastest 40 for a wide receiver. Pierre Strong runs the fastest 40 for a running back. Uh, And, you know, what, 10 TDs of 50 yards or more. I think he had like, he had some outrageous number of long rushing yards. Now, again, he went to South Dakota State, so the, so the talent wasn't quite the level that it will be when he gets to the NFL. But you see that breakaway speed on film. You see that one-cut ability, the ability to make jump cuts and, you know, and, and one-cut guys. I was, I was extremely impressed um, you know, by what I saw with him. And again, in the fourth round, you're looking for a guy, you know, and I love Damian Harris, love Damian Harris. He's in the final year of his contract. James White's 39 years old. Well, he's not actually 39 years old, but James White, James White's old. Like you got to imagine that both those guys are probably gone, and that's why they're looking at it, saying, "All right, let's bring these guys in." Maybe they don't. Maybe they play this year. Maybe they don't. But we have them for the future. Yeah, the the Patriots class they got a whole bunch of guys that I liked. It was just in sort of weird circumstances or or circumstances you wouldn't have predicted, right? Like right. both the running backs they got, I was bullish on both of them. You know, I, I rank Pierre Strong, I think, higher than than some other folks. I certainly rank Kevin Harris higher than, than some folks. And last year, by the way, Patriots fans might remember this. I hope they remember this at least. I was way higher than on, on Ramondre Stevenson yep. than a lot of other people. It was just the running back room that the team of, of the team that was picking them that was surprising, where they ended up taking the two running backs. 
I hope Kevin Harris can, can latch on with him because I think he has legitimate talent. As far as Pierre Strong, absolutely. He, his skill set, it's fairly reminiscent of Daryl Henderson coming in a couple years ago or mm-hmm. whenever he came in a couple years ago. He's He is looking for that lane downfield where it's that straight runway. If you give it to him, he's going to score a touchdown. Good, no one gonna outrun that kid, right? right. Like he is constant. He, he's like one of those sluggers that's looking for that home run every single time. It is right. that one cut thing that you're talking about, but he's looking for that lane all the way down. He's swinging from the heels to try to hit it out, and he's got the power to do it with that speed and that acceleration. We'll see if the the Patriots can build up the rest of his game. You know, sort of diversify. The one thing that that I sort of knocked him on, and, and the reason I ranked him a little bit, it wasn't lower in comparison to other people, but where I couldn't put him in my top five was it was just a lack of third down uh, passing down utility, at right. least right now, you know, because he hasn't shown that during his career, but the explosiveness, the, the one cut element that you mentioned, the vision that leads to that one cut. I mean, he's got all that sort of stuff. And again, if you give him that straight runway down the field, he's going to score a touchdown or he's going to get 30 yards downfield and you're going to have to have someone save your bacon. So right. I, yeah, I like that kid a lot. Kevin Harris, it's a very similar thing, but, but he's, it's the one cut thing, but with him, it's the physical element. It's it's more of the meat and potatoes, early down grinding work. Pierre Strong, it's the explosiveness thing. It's hitting the home runs. With, with Kevin Harris, it's cost certainty of the singles and the doubles. I'll tell Patriots fans this. If Kevin Harris could have declared for the, for the draft after his true sophomore year, he would have gone at least one round higher than, yeah. than he went, you know, uh, you know, a week ago or whatever. Maybe even two rounds higher. He showed such promise that true sophomore year running behind a crappy offensive line without a quarterback that could push the defensive back. He was a mark man every single down. He still put up ridiculous utility this past season. As you know, he had that back injury, cost mm-hmm. him spring practice, cost him most of summer practice. Not only that, very similarly to Carson Strong, a, a kid who rushed back from injury earlier than his doctors, the timeline that they gave him. That's what Kevin Harris did. Kevin Harris wanted to play this entire season because he was sitting dead red on declaring for the draft. Right. What you see on 2021 film, you can't take that 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 to the bank is this is what he is and this is what I'm projecting off of. For me, that's what you have to do with his 2020 film. In 2021, he was coming off that back injury. Like I said, rush back. It wasn't just that he wasn't moving around quite as well as you'd see it in 2020. He wasn't quite as um, gleeful heading into the contact point, let's just say, yeah. as in 2020. That is his special sauce. It's the same thing as Ramondre Stevenson the year before, although, you know, they're slightly different backs. But if Ramondre Stevenson didn't have that physical element to his game and he had been a little bit skittish about, about you know, the, the first contact and you know, stuff like that, his game would have played way, way down to, to what it actually is. It was the same one with Kevin Harris. And then he declares after his true, true junior year, if I was Kevin Harris, I probably would have gone back to school. But I'm pretty convinced that New England Patriots got him at a discount in comparison to where, where he should have been, you know, just in the vacuum. I love it. I love it because I was I was nervous about Harris because he looked slow, but that's why, right? And so I didn't really know that. And so, you know, it makes me it makes me a lot more excited to hear about Kevin Harris. And, and like I said, you know, Damian Harris, I assume is going to, you know, is going to stay here this year. And then you would think if he puts up another big season, he's going to want to get paid. And the Patriots simply do not they don't pay running backs. And they so, shouldn't. That's a smart move. Absolutely. Right, right. Yeah. And so so you let him go and you bring in, you know, you have Ramondre and now also you have Kevin Harris and Peter Good to Strong, go. So Yep, exactly. Sure. So yep. I want to want to give Gary a shout out here. He's up at 2 a.m. Uh, watching over in England. Appreciate you, Gary. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Um, so, all right, two more guys. The one, Bailey Zappi, I mean, talk to me into Bailey Zappi. Like, what in the world? Like, I guess they just wanted to, I mean, the interesting thing here is that Tom Brady wins the Super Bowl in 2001 as a, as a second year player, right? In February, April, that year comes around fourth round comes up to draft Rohan Davy in the fourth round. That's just what they do. Like, this is just what they do. And they drafted, a, you know, a backup, a backup quarterback. The thing that pissed me off about the trade, about the draft was that, you know, your next pick is like in the one eighties and you're at one thirty something, you get 50 picks, 50 or so picks in between your picks. And you take a backup quarterback, and then when you see where the rest of the quarterbacks go, it's like you tell me Billy Zappi wasn't going to be there in, in one eight, and maybe he wouldn't have been. But like, that's the thing that that annoyed me was like you had an opportunity to go out and get a guy that could theoretically contribute on your team, and you didn't do that, and and that was very frustrating for me. Um, 
but at the same time, they got through 62, 62 touchdown passes last year. So, like, clearly he can he can sling it. But, you know, he's going to be a backup here. Yeah, this is what I'll say about him. I was very impressed with him in the moment, you know, watching Western Kentucky. He, he was a bigger sort of storyline than most G5 quarterbacks because Western Kentucky tried something sort of unprecedented last year where they, they were like, you know, our, our offense sucked in 2020, so we're just going to sort of – bring forward a, a full FCS offense and yeah. make that our offense, both the offensive coordinator Zappy, both the Stearns kids, they, they brought all these guys over from Houston Baptist and it not only did it work, they broke all the records for, you know, for the FBS passing, you know, like you mentioned passing yards, passing touchdowns, stuff like that. Um, Billy Zappy, I didn't, ex- so I knew that he was a super processor. I knew that, you know, just watching his film, stuff like that, talking to people around him. What, what was surprising to me watching him at the senior ball, his arm was a bit more alive than I thought, you know, like on film, you just sort of want to be like, Oh, you know, this is a kid from Houston Baptist and he's only six feet tall or six one or whatever. And you know, he, he, he has a wet noodle or whatever in, in person. I was like, man, there's a little bit more juice behind that. Now it's not, you know, it's not a howitzer or nothing like that, but he does not have a wet noodle. It's at least average or slightly above average for the NFL. I, I trust his ability to read a defense. That was, was what his entire game was based on, you know, and, at, at the college level. It, it's funny when, when I walked in uh, to the Mobile Stadium, when I was watching him, I turned to the people around me and I was like, this guy's Chase Daniel, you know, and everyone else around me, they, they looked down there like, yeah, it looks like Chase Daniel. And then I, I messaged one of his Houston Baptist coaches when I got back to Minnesota. And, and, and I told him, like, I was like, you know, his arm was a little bit more alive than I thought in person. You know, is that sort of what your perception was? And then I was like, I, you know, I, I had this, this sort of take about a guy that he reminded me of. But I said before, before I even say that to you, I said, is there any NFL guy that he reminds you of? Yeah. You know, it's been there. And he said, yeah, there's, there sure is. Chase Daniel. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah that, that, you know, then Thor was like standing up a little bit with his shoulders a little bit, you know, more. Right, right. But like, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's what that's what you're drafting. It, it's a, it, you know, get, this is cost certainty personified. This guy is going to be in the NFL for a really long time. You talk to any of the guys that have been around him, Houston Baptist or whether it was Western Kentucky, they'll tell you he's a coach on the field. What does Belichick love at that position? Yeah. He loves a coach on the field. Literally, the first thing that any of the people that have been around Bailey Zappi will tell you, coach on the field, mm-hmm. you know, you know, and stuff like that. They will tell you his his physical skill set's a little bit better than you have been led to believe. That arm is a little bit better than you've been led to believe. But the, but that's the second thing they'll tell you. The first thing is this guy's a coach on the field. You can absolutely see that in his game film. And again, his arm is not going to disqualify him for any for, from anything. He's built a little bit squatter and more like. I think I said lunchbox before with another guy's bill, but as far as a quarterback, that's sort of what he is. He's a little bit shorter and, and squatter, but it's very similar to Chase Daniel build. And I think the arm strength is similar. I think the processing is similar. He's going to make a lot of money in the NFL. I like it. I like it. And that's, and honestly, like, you know, and again, I gave it an F on my original grades. I just, I was pissed about it because I thought, you know, you can get You can get a more valuable position, but then you think about it and you're like, well, Patriots drafted, Jimmy G in the second round, traded him for a second round pick. Patriots drafted Jacoby Brissett in the third round, traded him for Philip Dorsett. Patriots drafted Ryan Mowat in the third round, traded him for a seventh round pick. Patriots drafted Matt Castle in the seventh round, traded him for a second round pick. So, like, you know, quarterbacks retain their value better than probably any position on the field. And so if this kid comes in and shows any sort of promise whatsoever, and, you know, people look at him and say, wow, this kid has something, and then somebody goes down with an injury. Oh hey, we got this kid right here. I mean, right, send us a first round pick, send us a second round pick, right? And, and and those are the types of things where like all of a sudden something pops up and you're able to do that. And I think that those are one of the things that that we overlook as fans, as and maybe even as analysts when we're breaking those things down. But when we really think big picture here, we're like, well, number one, you have a quarterback that's a back quarterback long term, which is important. And Belichick's talked about that ad nauseum. And number two, you have that trade asset if something ever comes up or, God forbid, Mac Jones goes down with an injury, boom, he steps in. So uh, I think that that, you know, that's one of those things where it's like, hey, it's the fourth round. It's pick 137. Like, how can you really argue that much with it, you know? 
I'm not going to argue with much. Yeah. I mean, for, for the reasons you just stated, what's the most valuable backup on your entire team? It's your backup quarterback. And like you said, they retain the trade value the most, you know, we'll see, you know, if he shows anything in the preseason, you're not looking at him as above Mac Jones, but he gives you the, the insurance number one. He also gives you the potential trade utility going forward. If he shows right. anything whatsoever, because I guarantee you going forward years in, in, into the future, the Western Kentucky people and the Houston Baptist people, both the coaches, the teammates that have been around him, when other teams potentially vet him for trades, they start calling around. All those people are going to be like, do it. This guy right. is a coach on the field. He's going to give you absolutely everything that he has. And he's not going to make any unforced errors behind center. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, at the spot that they took him, I can't argue with that at all. Yeah, no, I like it. I like it. So one last guy I want to ask you about. I don't know if you watched any film of him before the draft. Uh, Sam Roberts out of Northwest Missouri State. Patriots took him at 200 overall. D2 player. He won the um, he won the Cliff Harris Award as the best non-D1 defensive player in football. Um, you know, D-tackle. And, you know, it's one of those picks. He's a Patriots fan, which makes it even better. But it's one of those picks for me when I when I look at it and I sit there and say, huh, this kid could – the Patriots are typically good at finding small school guys. This guy was not on NFL.com uh, when they drafted him. It just said Sam Roberts D-tackle, but nothing else. He wasn't like – literally couldn't click on him. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> so I went through. But, uh, you know, one of those interesting guys that, you know, is – is is fascinating. So I just I was wondering if you had seen any tape on him before they drafted him, uh, or if you had a chance to look at anything at, at since. Yeah, I mean he's he's a ball of clay, right? Like you know, going forward north to south, in, in terms of the projectability, you see that the quick first step. You have the frame. Um, what was concerning to me was more the athletic stiffness going east to west. Um, but you know, I mean, if you're going to pick a guy that late, you're taking a dart throw. Right. I can totally see what they're seeing with him. He was also a little bit older, you know, so some, you know, maybe some teams on the developmental spectrum, they could be like, well, he doesn't have this and this yet, but, and he's also older. So maybe we knock him down a bit, but I can see what the, the, the what, what the Patriots were seeing. It's at North South, the, the first step explosion. He can create a little bit of havoc in the backfield. We'll see, if, you know, we'll see if the Patriots can add a little bit more uh, pass re- rushing repertoire, to, yeah. to, you know, to, to his bag or whatever. But if he gets that, I could see him developing into a guy that could hang around for a little bit for sure. Yeah, I like it. And then did, were you were you high on De'Ara King coming out of Miami? I, I just feel like, and I don't know, I don't know anything about anything. I just feel, I'm so excited to watch this guy in camp because I just feel like he's one of those, he's one of those guys that like, he's he's like a slash guy, can come in and throw the ball a little bit, but it's going to play wide receiver and running back and cornerback if they ask him to, like, I just I'm excited about the athleticism of this kid and the fact that he is like, hey, just put me on the field and let me play football. Like, I'm I'm excited to see that. He's a player, man. Yeah, Tom Herman wouldn't have gotten that job at Texas were it not for De'Ara King. Right, like that's how good of a player he is. He he got that guy elevated up to a job that's gonna make his Tom Herman's family yeah. financially straight for the rest of their their <laughs> their literal right. existence. Um, but yeah, he's a player. It's just. You know, you have the dimensions thing, number one. You also have the durability thing. Because I love his the dual threat aspect to his game. But when he's gone out of the pocket, sometimes he, he has suffered some of these injuries. Can You know, how, how can you create that? Are you going to put him in the slot? Are you going to try him as a court? Like, are you going to do like a Seneca Wallace type thing with him? I'm not sure. But getting him as an underactive free agent, 1 billion percent. I mean, why not? Right? Like the, the questions that I have about him, there ain't no more questions about him when you're getting him for free. Right. right. Like right. that, that guy is an absolute player. He changed the fortunes of a couple of different power five programs, right. Where, or I mean, Houston, they're about to be a power five program. They're not quite yet, but they, they will be right. in a second. But w- with Miami, he made him, them a lot more dangerous on offense. He can move around a bit. He has short area accuracy that, you know, he ain't going to push the ball all the way down the field. Obviously he's a little bit smaller or whatever, but if your starter went down and he was, he was the option that was going in, in my opinion, you could create an offense around him where you could at least get by. Long term, I'm not sure because, again, if you played him a lot, the durability questions could be more. But if you had him at a position like slot receiver or maybe he's not taking quite as many isolated shots during the game, maybe he could he could last a little bit longer. 
that guy's a player. I like yeah. I, I actually think he's gonna he, whether he he lasts around in the bottom of your roster in the NFL for a while or whether he's a star like at the um the XFL or the USFL, right? In my opinion, it's gonna be one or the other. That he he's a quadruple A player, it's just on one side or the other. for a team man his agent give him kudos for going to the patriots you're looking for a team that's going to find a utility for a guy who has all these different things but you're not exactly sure we're going to fit in if i'm an agent i'm like let's leave it up to bill belichick (laughs) right right? yeah yep i agree i agree all right thor thank you so much Uh, well i guess okay hold on before the big picture here you know we talked about we've talked about kind of you know these people and and some of these guys Give me your two favorite drafts. What, yeah, your two favorite drafts out of anyone in the NFL, and then just like thirty seconds on on overall how the Patriots did in the draft. Yeah, my my two favorite. So you know, I, I grade on a curve. So every year I give out two A pluses. I give out two Fs. Every all the other twenty eight teams are in between. Okay. So that's that's why you always see why people ask me like, why did you grade my team lower than the other teams? It's because I grade on a curve. Um, the, the two A pluses that I gave this year are the Ravens and then a team I'm almost uh, remiss to even say on a, on a Patriots podcast, the Jets. <laughs> um, but anyway, like the, the, the Ravens, they crush it every single year. It's no surprise. Like they, they just every single pick, it's, it's either a single or a double or else they're they get a free home run. You yeah. know, it's like they, they Kyle just, Hamilton at 14 was like, you got to be kidding me. Like, come on effing stupid even getting <laughs> even even getting linderbaum late where he's yeah. you know he, he's one of the best centers we've seen coming out of college football last several years he only goes lower because of the arm length thing it's just dumb pick up filet in round four give me a break yeah. like and for that system absolutely perfect they, every single year they get guys who fall to them at positions of need that they just stop their fall and it's like oh we also needed them so it's right great. right so yeah I and mean, that was perfect the Jets, it was a bit different. Usually they draft like, can I swear on this podcast or not? Uh, we'll give you one. We'll give you one. Usually the the Jets draft like shit. Um, this year was Oh, that's easy. That's not even a swear. They, uh, <laughs> <laughs> usually they draft effing stupid. But th- th- this year they decided to make an exception. Um, and it wasn't just the equity. You know, they had the two... Because, you know, th- there's some criticisms about the, the draft grades where people will... Um, People will criticize it where you you know you give more credit for teams that have more equity. I try to rail against that as much as I can. Yeah. I, I'm just trying to to gauge you of what value did you get in each slot. The Jets had a lot of draft equity, but for my grading scale, if you pick poorly in those ranges, I'm going to destroy you. Like right. I did for the Texans. The Texans had uh, two top 15 picks. Uh, what was it? Four picks in the top 45. I gave them an F. Um, the yeah. Jets, though, this year. In contrast to some of these other years where I've given them, almost every year I've done this, I've given them very low grades. This year, they did rock solid. I mean, like, they got a gift from the gods that Ahmad Sauce Gardner was there for. He shouldn't, if the Texans were going to take a cornerback, they should have taken Ahmad Sauce Gardner. Oh, see, I just, we, we disagree on that because I said before the draft, if I had the number one, the number one overall pick in the draft, I would have taken Stingley. I, I, I thought he was a stud. Pat, we strongly disagree. I could not emphatically more disagree with you about something than that. But I mean, th- th- that being said, they they get either way. How are we yeah. th- throw Stingley out of it? Right. Hot sauce Gardner at four. It's it, it, very it's, good. It's really, really good. good value. Yeah. And then we knew that the wide receiver run was coming up because of their pick. They happened to be able to get at you know sort of the I mean you know the beginning of it right. Like they I think they were the second team that took a wide receiver. Took a really good one. I would have rather been up there than in the back of that run. You know, like yeah. um, Washington, in my opinion, Washington created an unforced error where they they yeah, they, they no traded themselves. Yeah, they traded themselves from the front of the wide receiver run to the back of one to pick up two middle round picks that they didn't do much with. But then you got the Jermaine Johnson pick as well. Steal. I mean, by any any account of 26, I am 13 on my board. 36 to get Brees Hall. I had him 39. That's a slam dunk. He's going to help out Zach Wilson a whole bunch. Um, probably even more valuable to them than a regular franchise. Ruckert, I had no problem with that. He, he was much better in Mobile than we had seen him. But he, he was never the, the primary option in any you know, receiving route that they had there. I like Mitchell more than, than most of the draft media. I had him 100th overall. They took him 111th. I didn't have any problems with the Clemens pick, too. It was just like every pick they either swung from the heels and hit a home run, in my opinion, or at least they hit it 
down the fairway to use a different right. sports Something. metaphor. So yeah, right. Right. Yeah. And that's were- that's what you want. Ultimately, like you're just trying to not screw it up. Like here you are, just don't screw it up, right? And I mean, you mentioned the Texans, like they trade back and they draft, you know, they're at 13. They trade back from 13 to 15 and they draft a guard at 15. And like, you know, not even the guard I would have taken I would have taken first. So I'm I'm looking at it like, what are you doing here, man? You know, so that's one of those things where I look at it and just say, like, okay, I loved Stingley, so I love the pick at three. We obviously disagree on that, and that's okay. And so, you know, either way, but if you're super high on a guy, fine, take him at three. But what are you doing taking a guard? And, and again, when he's not, in my opinion, I, I don't know how you could look at him and say he's better than Zion Johnson. But, you know, whatever. But, you know, I, you, you take that guy at 15. It's like, well, what are we doing here? You know, so that was that was surprising to me. And also, you're in the middle of that wide receiver run at 13. Take a wide out there if, if you feel like it, you know. So that, to me, I thought was, was, was strange. I just thought, like, okay, uh, you know, so whatever, you know. But it was... Yeah, and it's not, and you're totally right about, hey, capital's there. But, like, when you have the capital, you better come away with good players because you have that draft capital, so you better draft good players, you know? So, uh, so anyways, I, I agree with you on that. Well, uh, what about the Patriots? What, what what did you give them for a grade, I guess, would be the question I have. I, I didn't give them the best grade. Uh, Patriots fans are going to be upset with me. I, I graded them in the Ds. Yep. Uh, but, again, like, you know, again, like, I grade on a scale. It's different right. than, than other folks. And you can look at Rene Bugner he, from Germany. He, he puts together this whole thing with the GPAs and, you know, okay. and, and you know for every single team or whatever. But also, he'll, he'll show you for the analysts, I'm by far on the right every single class because, you know, again, I, I grade on a curve. Yeah. So, I, you know, I'm going to give two teams an F. Patriots didn't get one of those. But I'm also going to give six teams, you know, in, in, in the D's. I did give the Patriots one of those. But again, like I said before, the players they ended up getting, even on, on my board, they were slight reaches. But I happen, like, I will say this. I was bullish, you know, again, like, I think I mentioned this during the thing. I was bullish on the guys they got. I was right. bullish on Strange. I was bullish on Thornton, you know, in comparison to the rest of the industry. You go down the board and the guys they got, I was bullish on them. They were picked above my slot, but also right. like strange again, like it would not have been a surprise to me whatsoever if he had been picked in the middle of round two. And even if he'd been picked at the top of round two, I wouldn't have been stunned. Right. Yeah. It was, it was yeah. just hearing his name in the first round the, the the Patriots obviously had a conviction on him. And again, I independently scouted him. I'm not his agent. I'm not right. a part of the Patriots. Right. And I comped him to Joe Thune. Right. right. Like, so right. like the, 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 the franchise that was attracted to him, not a surprise either. I think he has the ceiling there, the athletic profile, the, the frame, everything like that. The, the, the decisions they made, I can't argue too much with them. It's just in the moment, the ROI in those slots, I have to, I have to knock them down a little bit, yep. but th- their track record, the players they got, th- this is not a day for Patriots fans where they should be like, you know, running out and like, Oh, right. you know, this guy's not falling. Well, and I, I agree with you. Listen, I gave him a C minus on, on, on Sunday. So I, I kind of feel that right about the same way you do. But then I wrote an article today arguing for all of the players. Right. So I'm like, okay, listen, we trashed a lot of their picks, but like, here's why all of their picks could be good. Maybe they won't be, but they could be good. Right. And so this is the, the reason for optimism coming, you know, coming forward. So it's one of those things for me that we don't know, right. We're just, we're, we're basing it off of, and, and what I love about, you know, and, and, the reason I love having you on every year is because you tell it like it is. You're not, you know, you're not sugarcoating. Hey, this is what this is what happens. This is what I do. This is this is the this is what the guys that I have. And I think what I like to hear from a lot of guys, and what I've heard from a lot of people, is that we like the guys that they drafted. We just don't necessarily agree with where they drafted them. And you know, I look at it and say, okay, and and maybe they did reach on a few of those guys. But if they turn out to be good players, it doesn't really matter where you drafted them. And the Cole Strange thing is interesting because. I think since they moved it to the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, instead of the Saturday, Sunday, you know, what they used to have, I think that that first round gets hyper-analyzed so much because it's only one day. If Cole Strange gets taken 33rd overall, nobody's talking about it. It's a non, it's a non-story. Nobody's talking about Cole Strange if he, if he talks, if he's at 33. Because he gets drafted in the first pick on Friday and people are like, oh, yeah, okay, maybe it's a little bit. But he gets drafted, you know, four picks earlier 
and they're like, oh my God, these idiots took him in the first round. And it's like, because we have all, we have the full day to talk about the first round reaction and everything like that. So I do think it's just kind of interesting when we, when we start talking about things like that. So as long as we get good players, ultimately it doesn't really matter where they come from. Right. And so, you know, to do that, right. Then we have to steal a few guys later. So if we get Jack Jones, maybe a little bit later than people expected. If we get Zappy a little bit later, if we get some of the other guys that we got, a little bit later than expected, you know, uh, uh, Kevin, uh, the running back, Kevin, uh, Kevin Harris. thank you, Kevin. Harris. Yeah. I'm like, I know I he's got that. a name of, I of like all, Kevin Harris. I of like, like 14 different guys on the team. Yeah. Like we have 19 Joneses and a few Harrises. And, but, um, you know, I think if you get a guy like that later, now all of a sudden you're saying, okay, we now, yeah, we reach on a few guys, but then we get value on some other guys. So then everything balances out, you know? So look, get, Get guys that are good, right? And we got a we got a Jets guy blowing up the comments, you know, talking smack, saying that the uh, the Jets are better at every position than the Patriots. Oh, <laughs> like, oh dude, okay, I, I, I love that the Jets. <laughs> they finally had, a, and, and whoever that guy is, congrats, because in my opinion, you did have one of the two best drafts yeah. in the NFL. Congrats, they're feeling themselves. You have to let them feel themselves. This is right. their day in the sun here. <laughs> let, let that guy put his shoulders back. I love it. Right, I love yeah. it. I love it. Well, Thor, thank you so much, man. You spent spent a ton of your for Wednesday night with us. We appreciate that, man. Uh, before you go, you gotta you gotta plug yourself. Tell everyone where they can see you, and they should be seeing you and reading you and hearing you, anyways. But just just give yourself a little shout out before we let you go. Yeah, you can find my stuff on NBC Sports Edge, um, College Football section, NFL Draft section, and then on Twitter at ThorKU. Yep, love it. Love it. Thank you so much, man. We appreciate it. And uh, can't wait till next year when we have you on for the fourth year in a row for our uh, for our draft recap. I've already penciled it in. I've already penciled it in. I can't wait. Let's do it. Good to see you, Pat. All right, man. Take care. Later. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.